I have like a long but distant history with her. <laughs> I knew her for just a short amount of time, and then she moved and was gone for a long time, and now they've been back here for a few more years, and it has been such a blessing to me personally to have Denise back here at our church, but even as a friend. So I just want you guys to know that she has the most um, sincere and um, genuine faith of almost anyone I know, <laughs> really. I mean, not that you're grading people's faith, but it's so, it's just like right on the surface. You can just see how real, how genuine, how sincerely she loves Jesus, how much she wants to know him, how hard she is trying to follow him and walk in his ways. And she's been a real blessing to me personally. So I think it's a real gift for you guys to get to hear her share the word this morning. So welcome with me, Denise Colazzo. Thank you. <laughs> Good morning, ladies. Good to see you all here. You'll have to excuse me. I have been like several times this morning just tearing up, which is not good when you're practicing fake eyelashes for my son's wedding. So if you see like a flapper coming up, like let me know. Where, uh, <laughs> I'll just whip them off. This is a, anyway, but it's a good kind of cry. <laughs> um, so as Christina has so graciously um, introduced me and also introduced our, um, our theme for this morning and the woman that we're going to be looking at, Priscilla. Um, we're going to look at her and discover what her faith journey can teach us about God. And I'm so excited because this is just, um, she is my people. And you'll see why uh, in just a moment. But first, how many of you like a good mystery? Yes. You are my people. <laughs> you know, the type of movie or book that makes you lean in, pay attention to the details because the author has left a trail of breadcrumbs that you can follow to solve the case before the big reveal. Maybe you're a true crime junkie. Or one of the series I used to watch was Monk. He was this quirky uh, consultant for the police department. That was a fun one. What about you guys? Just throw some, sh throw some things out my way. What do you guys like to watch mystery-wise? Sherlock Holmes? Murder, she wrote. Bringing it back. Perry Mason. I heard something over Columbo, yes. <laughs> Did someone say Dateline? <laughs> That's like true. Yeah. Okay. Great. Well, uh, yes, I love mysteries. And in fact, when I was 10 years old, those are some ones I'll have to write down. I feel like there was a new one that I heard there. Um, but when I was 10 years old, I um, came across the Nancy Drew book series. Do you guys remember that? Um, she was a brilliant teenage detective, and she was a cross between Sherlock and a Charlie's Angel in my imagination. <laughs> I couldn't get enough of these books. I read through the entire series to date one summer. And my favorite part in each book was the aha moment when all the clues, like puzzle pieces, came together to reveal the full story. I would try to solve the case before Nancy did. Sometimes I got it, other times not. And I still have that inner detective. Um, so you can imagine my delight when, after reading the few and brief accounts of Priscilla's life, 
I realized I've got to put on my sleuthing cap for this and follow the breadcrumbs from these snapshots of her life to reveal God's grand story. And this morning, we're going to answer three questions as we look at Priscilla's life. The first one is, who, who is she? Who was she in the Bible? What, the second one is, what can we learn through Priscilla's life about the God she loved, worshipped, and served? And the third one is, what do we do with what we have learned? So as we get into it, let's pray. Father, we acknowledge your presence this morning with us. And we invite you to come into our lives and do your thing. Do what only you can do. To speak to our hearts, to transform us, to becoming women who reflect you, who reflect your glory. God, we come with open hands and open hearts. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your goodness. And we trust you to do the things that only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. So there are only four references that we see in the Bible about Priscilla. The first one is in Acts chapter 18. We're introduced to her and her husband Aquila. And the Apostle Paul has just arrived in Corinth from Athens. And in verses 2 and 3 of chapter 18 in Acts, it says, He, Paul, found a Jew named Aquila recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked. For they were tent makers by trade. According to David Guzik's Enduring Word Commentary, Priscilla is a diminutive form of Prissa, which is one of the great families of Rome. She was probably related to this family in some way. Priscilla, a native Italian from Rome, and her husband Aquila, who was actually from Turkey, and he was, we know for sure, of Jewish descent. Um, so they moved to Corinth as refugees because of political unrest and hostility toward the Jews in Rome. One ancient writer described Corinth as a town where none but the tough could survive. So if that gives you a clue as to Priscilla and the kind of person that she was, if she could survive in Corinth as a refugee. And as they were seeking to establish their business and build community in a new place, they met Paul, a fellow tent maker, and they joined forces in business and ministry. Later on in Acts 18, things heated up in Corinth between the Jewish religious leaders and Paul, so he decided to take his ministry to the Gentiles in Ephesus. And Priscilla and Aquila, as fellow laborers, moved with him and this is where we, they, we meet Apollos in verses 24 through 28. It says, Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. Though he knew only the baptism of John, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside 
and explain to him the way of God more accurately. Here we see Priscilla and her husband Aquila during one of their regular visits to the synagogue, capitalizing on an opportunity to mentor a new leader. They saw the potential and the passion of Apollos and took the time to disciple him further. And eventually, they sent him off with their endorsement to minister in Achaia. The next three references to Priscilla are in Paul's letter to the Corinthian, the Roman, the Corinthian and Roman churches, and then to Timothy in 2 Timothy. 1 Corinthians 16:19 says this: Aquila and Priscilla, or they say Prissa, so they, they interchange those two names, but it's the same person. Together with the church in their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. So it's basically just a greeting. <laughs> Romans 16, 3 through 5 says, Greet. Prissa and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Finally, in Timothy, 2 Timothy 4.19, it says, Greet Prissa and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. And that's it. That's all we're told about Priscilla. There are so many clues in there, even though they're short references. So our first question we're going to answer, who was Priscilla? If we zoom out to get a bird's eye view, we see that the references in the Bible actually span about a 20-year period in her life, moving first to Corinth, then Ephesus, then they move back to Rome, after Claudius' wife poisoned him. He's the one that kicked him out. Then they actually moved back to Ephesus again. As a refugee, she was uprooted from her home involuntarily. She knew what it felt like to be an outsider, to feel rejection and persecution. Yet we also see that she knew how to adapt, how to persevere, and how to welcome others. She knew and she trusted God practicing the daily disciplines of being in his word and prayer, attending synagogue regularly and hosting the church in her home, all of those things had prepared her to identify and engage in the opportunities that arose at a moment's notice to invite, to instruct, to mentor others about God. She took to heart the words of Jesus to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. She knew God's character so well that she was able to take personal risks for his kingdom. In a time of political, religious, and cultural unrest, she was resilient, determined, hopeful, and daring in her faith. To the extent that Paul even says that she and her husband risked their lives for him. She shared the same passion for spreading the gospel as Paul, yet God used her in different ways. As an anchor in her community, becoming an integral part of the work of spreading the gospel and making disciples through hosting church in her house. Many scholars even say that she was the first female preacher or teacher in the early church. She was hospitable and devoted to God's word. 
I imagine Priscilla to be like one of those young Italian nonnas that I encountered in my childhood. We, in Mon I'm from Monterey, and we have a lot of Italian heritage here. And uh, I remember at some of my Italian friends' homes, you know, we would just pop into to their nonna's house, and nonna's place was, I'm probably not even saying it, is it nonna? I'm looking at my Italian friend over there. I'm totally butchering this. Nana. <laughs> Not Nona. Oh, oh, it's okay. Either one. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to need your help on another word, too. <laughs> so, Nana's place was the watering hole of the neighborhood. Her door was always open. You could stop by unannounced, and it was like she was expecting you. Enticing smells wafting from the kitchen. You could take a load off. She wouldn't take any bull, but you always knew that you were safe and welcome and accepted while you were there, and you always left full, not just from the food, because you know the, the other word. You can tell me, Kelly, Kelly what's the word? Manja. Who said it? Manja. Is that the word? Like, just eat. Yes. It's time to eat. Yeah, manja. <laughs> um, you always left full because of... You're going to eat, manja, but also you left full, not just your stomach, but in all the best ways. That's what I imagined Priscilla, her main ministry was, was that it was in her home, welcoming the local church in so many ways. And I love that because that's, that's why I say she's my people, because that, that is my experience growing up was that but also that's my heart to offer that to others um, through my home. So what can we learn? So we answered the first question. That's who Priscilla was. That's what we see in her life from those brief snapshots. But the next question is, what can we learn from Priscilla's life about the God she loved, worshipped, and served? First, we can learn that Priscilla knew God which means, big revelation here, God is knowable. God can be known, and not only can God be known, but he wants to be known. John 17, 3 says, This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. And in Jeremiah 29.12 it says, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and you will find me. When you seek me with all of your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. So who can know him? anyone and everyone who wants to know him. And how do we get to know him? He's given us his word. He reveals who he is through his word, the Bible, through prayer. Timothy Keller says that prayer is a continuing conversation that God has started through his word and his grace, which eventually becomes a full encounter with him. We can get to know God through Jesus. Jesus in, I believe it's John 16 or 17, says that 
he's talking to his disciples before he goes to the cross, and he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So we can get to know God by looking at Jesus. Psalm 19.1 says, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. So we can look at God's creation to see who he is. And his pinnacle of creation is us. And he's made us in his image. So another way that we can get to know him is each other. We can see God's image reflected in each other. So, God wants to be known, and he makes himself knowable through his word, through prayer, through Jesus, creation, and each other. Secondly, what we can learn from Priscilla's life, and Christina um, gave that awesome quote, which I need to get um, from you after this, um, is that Priscilla lived an life of ordinary obedience that God used in extraordinary ways, which tells us about God, that he is limitless. God uses the ordinary, humble, simple, everyday, seemingly small, weak things to make an extraordinary impact for his kingdom. So never underestimate the power of simple things in the hands of God. Because it's not about this thing. It's not about us. It's about the God who is all-powerful, which means he can do anything with the simple thing. He's all-knowing, which means he has unlimited creativity to use the simple thing. He's eternal, which means it's never too late. And it means we don't have any fear for the future. And he has boundless love for us. And that means my little thing, my little life is in good hands. So when I put my ordinary home, my ordinary job, my ordinary calendar, my ordinary bank account, my ordinary life in his hands, I can trust him to do extraordinary things. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. So when we abide in him and put our ordinary lives in his hands, he can do big things. He can bear much fruit. And I loved this characteristic that we see in Priscilla is that she just had what I've heard called, but I don't remember who said it, a long obedience in the same direction. And it bore much fruit. We see these churches all over Corinth and Ephesus and Rome. And even though she didn't play this big fireworks um, role like Paul or Silas or Timothy or Apollos, they knew her name because of the impact that she had on their individual lives. So... God wants to be known and is knowable. 
God is limitless and uses our ordinary to do extraordinary things. Third, what we learn from Priscilla is that God is relational. We are not meant to walk alone in this life. First, we see Priscilla is always mentioned alongside her husband. They were partners in life, in work, and in ministry. We see that she had this deep affection for the church. The relationships that were built from hosting the church in her home she didn't just open her home, she opened her heart to them. And these, they were these deep relationships that we get a little glimpse of when it says that she like heartily greeted them. You can just get this sense of like, there's like this longing to be reconnected at some point, even though there's distance. And that they had that same affection for her and for her husband and the influence that they had in their lives. We see it in... Uh, how they supported the ministry of perhaps what we would consider more prominent leaders in the church. Um, Paul stayed with them. He worked with them in their business of tent making. We saw that Timothy and Silas also crossed paths with them as they came and ministered with Paul. We also see Apollos, who they basically launched out into his ministry where he ministered to Achaia. Um, and they were, played this background support role for these other people that God launched into the spotlight. And without the role that she played, she and her husband played, their ministries would not have the same impact that they did have. So we see that relationship. We see that she was committed to the Great Commission and the one another's that we see in Scripture of bearing with one another, serving one another, loving one another. So this idea of relational God we saw lived out in Priscilla's life. Um, and I mentioned this before earlier that as we get to know God, we can know him through each other. And that's where this point kind of unfolds and develops, that God is a relational God. As we are image bearers of a triune God, we, can, we can't fully become ourselves and who God created us to be apart or without each other. We can't. I love how C.S. Lewis says it. He says, in each of my friends, there's something that only some other friend can fully bring out. By myself, I'm not large enough to call the whole man into activity. I want other lights other than my own, to show all of his facets. So the idea is that we are image bearers of Christ. We are like mirrors. And I love, do you guys remember, I haven't seen them recently, but as a kid, the kaleidoscopes? They're this toy um, that you look through, and inside there's little fragments of mirrors. And when you turn it, the mirrors all reflect on each other, and you see these beautiful images and shapes come, come into being, that it's all because of each of these fragments of mirrors reflecting differently on each other. And when you turn it, there's a new, like, there's endless possibilities, endless possibilities of these beautiful little shapes and geometric figures that come into being. And that's what we, as image bearers of Christ, become to each other. So, like, if we 
we're a kaleidoscope and we are reflecting upon each other, then every little facet, every little movement would be this new, this new little angle of seeing God differently, of seeing this beautiful picture of God unfold. And I love that. I love that idea of um, how we each bring out something in another person that no one else may be able to bring out. So God is relational. We need each other to fully become who God created us to be. And Priscilla lived this out. In particular, we saw her live that out in a specific story with Apollos when Priscilla and Aquila heard him and saw a need for additional training or teaching, and they pulled him aside, and they took time and invested in him, and then they sent him off into a minister in Achaia. And I, for a moment, want to take a little take a little time to invite Denise Buck up to the stage. And she's going to share with us, because that was Priscilla's day, but those opportunities exist all around us today. And I'd love to have Denise expand a little bit on an opportunity um, that, this is your mic, I was getting it, thanks. Um, on an opportunity, I'm just going to hand it over, and you can do your thing. And then if I have questions, I'll thanks. pop in. Thank you, Denise. And I want to thank Christina yeah. and the uh, women's event planning team for giving us this opportunity. The last couple of women's gatherings, if you'll remember, we had ministries from outside of Calvary come and share their ministries. Uh, the mentoring ministry, which is in Calvary, and has been existing for a good number of years, is exactly the things that Denise has been talking about. It's helping women, coming alongside women, um, facilitating these kinds of relationships. Not just uh, bringing somebody that's a friend, but actually bringing someone who can come, come alongside you and encourage you. One of the big uh, core values of mentoring is encouragement that we love for these relationships to be encouraging relationships and very specifically to encourage you in your faith. So in, uh, we struggle sometimes in many areas of life, but uh, what I love about the mentoring ministry is you don't have to be in a struggle. You don't have to be in a low place in your life to reach out for a mentor. And uh, we train our mentors, our mentors are seasoned uh, believers who have walked with Christ for a good number of years, who uh, know how to survive uh, trials and difficulties and also know how to uh, do great when things are going well. So um, we invite you to be a part of this ministry with us. I wanted to read just one passage, our kind of basic passage for training mentors, and we do have uh, a training process. We do uh, know all of our mentors uh, personally, and so when you are, if you fill out an application, and there's some at the back of the room, when you fill out an application, you will be uh, prayerfully matched up with a woman in Christ who's a tiny bit older than you, or maybe a good bit older than you, but spiritually more mature than you. It's not so much about chronological age as it is about spiritual maturity. I know in my life, um, <clears throat> I benefited from mentors long before I knew I would benefit from mentors. And a lot of mentoring happens, some mentoring has happened this morning, as Denise has shared with us. 
and we, we are mentored a lot of times simply by observing. There was a, a woman that taught Bible studies when I was a very, very, very young Christian. And she mentored me, not because I ever actually even spoke to her, but just seeing her up there teaching the Bible gave me courage to reach out to people, to share with people, to talk to people, and even eventually to be, become a, a Bible teacher in a small degree. So these relationships are so important. It's important for us to have organic relationships. It's important for us to meet together in the big group a couple times a week. It's important for us to meet together in small groups. But one-on-one -on -one relationships are so life-giving. And so we do everything we can to make mentoring as unintimidating, as natural, as organic, and as relational as possible. So um, the passage that I wanted to read to you is out of Titus 2, verses 4 and 5. And this is actually an instruction to the, quote, older women in the church. I don't think any of us want to have this, that assignment. Um, <clears throat> but I'll make a comment about it in just a minute. Let me read the verse, verse two verses. Then Titus says these, uh, or Paul says to Titus, these older women must, must, doesn't say these older women might. It doesn't say these older women could. It says these older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to live wisely, to be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, to be submissive to their husbands, purpose statement. Then they will not bring shame to the word of God. You know, when I first became a Christian, I, it was a night and day experience for me. I loved Jesus. I wanted to read the word. I couldn't wait to get to a prayer meeting. But you know what? I didn't know how to live wisely. I had a lot to learn. So I love this verse because it gives a few other core values that can be passed on that can be shared. And it's not like we sit down and teach necessarily in a mentoring situation, but we share lives, we share hearts. It might be taking a walk, it might be drinking coffee. Um, and the one, another thing I love about this verse about the older women, uh, when I started for more intentionally thinking about this and how much we need one another as women, I was probably about 34. And I was praying about it and thinking about it, and I thought, you know, we, all, we need sisters. We need sisters in Christ. We need natural, nurturing relationships with sisters in Christ. And then I came across this verse, and it says, well, the older women should teach the younger women. Well, I was 34. And so I, I'm not, I can't do that. Um, I'm not an older woman. But, you know, I think one thing that hinders us a lot when we come across a verse like this is we don't know. Are we older or are we younger? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what? You're both. You're older than somebody, and you're younger than somebody else. So I love to think of mentoring not just as a one-on-one, -on -one, I'm teaching you kind of experience, but mentoring is I need a mentor, and I need to mentor. And so it's a chain effect, and the life flows. Life flows in the body of Christ when we have those kinds of relationships. I just loved walking uh, around through the grill this morning because as I walked through the grill and you were eating breakfast, I can't tell you how many mentor and mentee relationships there were seated at, in the grill having breakfast together. So using every opportunity 
to connect with people. And if you have those natural collection, connections or you just observe people and learn that way, that's great. But if you need a little help, we're here to facilitate. So I'll be at the back of the room. Uh, one of our other mentors will be at the back of the room after uh, this time. And uh, we're willing to help you know how to get connected, how to sign up for a mentor, fill out an application, go online, learn more about mentoring. We would love to have you be a part of this ministry. It's for everyone. Questions? I think you answered everything that I, I had questions about. But if you have more questions, like she said, afterwards, they've got a table right in the back. Thank you so much. So, thank you. I love that. I love, uh, we were actually just mentioning that just the, the sound of the hum of all the conversations that were being had over breakfast is just music to my ears. I love that. I love to see people connecting in that way. Um, thank you, Denise. So we've looked at all of these. Well, no, actually we haven't. We had three questions at the beginning, and I've only gone through two, and that's because you're going to help me with the next. So we've answered the first, who is Priscilla? We've answered the second, what can we learn through Priscilla's life about the God she loved, worshipped, and served? And those, that was three points there. That was that God is knowable, and he makes himself known. God is limitless. He uses the ordinary to do extraordinary. That God is relational. As image bearers, we become more ourselves within community. So we have that one more question. What do we do with what we've learned? And I could prescribe ideas. In fact, I just gave you one with Denise and the mentorship ministry. However, I want you to participate in this. And for a moment, Nicole's going to come up and play piano for us as we take a moment to just, if you've been taking notes, just review them. If you've just been listening and taking this in, just think what, what stands out to me as, as something that I can take from what I've learned today and take a step with that, whatever that looks like to you.